welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast. I'm your host, Elaine McNamara, the Executive Director of the Greenville Chamber of Commerce and the Director of Greenville Smart. And my guest today wears many hats. He actually at one time was the Greenville Chamber of Commerce Executive Director for many years. He is also in charge of marketing. He is the the Marketing Director for the F&B Community Bank, and he is the Curator of the DeMolin Museum in Greenville. Welcome, John Goldsmith. How are you? I'm doing great, Elaine. How are you? I'm great. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. I've been wanting to invite you, and this is the perfect time. We have a little time to talk. Um, unfortunately, it's nice we, to it, it's nice to see another human being. It is. It's nice to, <laughs> to see your smiling face. I feel like there is life outside of these walls. Uh, I want to talk to you about your labor of love. And of course, that is the DeMullen Museum. Can you, well, for some of our listeners who maybe are tuning in and they don't know what the DeMullen Museum is or what it's about, can you tell us a little bit about it and how it got started? Well, thank you for the opportunity and thanks for the question. I think one of the things that that we assume is that because we're here in Greenville and Bond County, everyone locally knows about this museum. And I don't know that necessarily that's the case. And I often tell people that our following for this museum is outside of Bond County, and it's often outside of Illinois, and in some cases outside of the United States. So we have a pretty far reach with our quirky little museum. Uh, let me start by giving you a th- thumbnail history on the DeMolin Company. Uh, A lot of people know that it is a marching band uniform manufacturer. It is the leading maker of marching band uniforms in the United States. They've been around since 1892, and during the course of those 128 years, they've done a lot of things. Not only uh, marching band uniforms, but for about 60 years, they were a maker of graduation caps and gowns and choir robes. Uh, They did church and lodge furniture until the 1950s. But the niche that the museum is known for uh, would be the early years of the company's history when they made those crazy, weird, off-the-wall initiation devices for uh, fraternal lodges, things like the lifting and spraying machine, lifting and spanking machine, uh, the lung tester, the Ferris wheel goat, all of this crazy stuff. And they did that for about their first 30 to 40 years. And even though that chapter of their history is long since uh, in their past, it is what has become the calling card for this museum here in Greenville. Right. There's nothing else like it that, that I've ever seen. And I'm sure you hear that from many, many visitors. Yeah, we we like to say that we embrace our quirkiness. We know that we're a weird little spot because of those crazy devices. And it is what sets us apart from everybody else. There are other museums in the United States that might have a few of these pieces, but to have all of them or several of them in one location is highly unusual. And of course, for us, it's great because the stuff was made here in Greenville. How did you get involved in that? I mean, I know you're a Greenville resident. Um, You've lived your life in Greenville. So I know there's got to be an attachment to the company itself. Is that correct? Yeah, there is. And uh, I've never worked there. And I'm not a DeMolin descendant, but my connection is through my uh, my mom, uh, Norma Goldsmith. She was a 50-year employee of the company uh, up until she passed away in 2007. And over the years, she had uh, sporadically picked up pieces or things were given to her by uh, Bill DeMolin, who was president of the company for a long time. And in 2000, 
uh, she became aware of the fact that David Copperfield, the magician, was a collector. And she said to me one day, well, you know, we need to be preserving this history and bringing some of it back home. And I remember kind of looking at her like, we're going to do what? And so that was the beginning of the journey. And so for the next seven years or so, mom and I worked on that together. And I've continued to do that. So this is, I guess you could say, my 20th year of uh, preserving the history of this company. That's pretty amazing. Um, when did you? Um, well, when did it all become an actual museum? Uh, excellent question. The, the first makings of the museum go back to about 2004. And that year, I self-published a uh, history on the company called Three Frenchmen and a Goat, the DeMolin Brothers story. And it was a simple project. Well, it wasn't too simple. It took a year to write the book. But I had no aspirations for this book to sell more than maybe 100 copies. And we ended up selling 500 of them around the world. And it was at that point I realized that we had hit upon something that was special. I wasn't quite sure what it was yet, but I knew that we were sitting on a great story that had some potential. And I told mom that I think we got a museum here. And uh, after she passed away, uh, I continued to add to this collection. And in the uh, late summer of 2009, as I was sitting in that chamber office in the Bradford Community Building on Main Street, looking out the window one day, I looked at the building across the street, which at the time was the uh, Greenville American Legion. And for whatever reason, that uh, proverbial light bulb went on above my head. And I said, that's the location for the DeMolin Museum. And through the generosity and faith and trust and belief of the American Legion board members, they rented the building to us our first year, and then they donated it to us after that first year, and then we were really off to the races at that point. And as you know, two years ago, uh, we moved into a new location because we ran out of space in the old spot. Yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing. I I love the new location, um, and I know a lot of people are attached to the old as well, but the new location, what was that? Well, explain to people what that was before. Right. That was originally uh, the Grace Episcopal Church. It was built in the 18, late 1880s and served as an Episcopal church here in Greenville until 1953 when they closed their doors. Uh, a lot of folks who've been around in Greenville a long time will remember that church was originally located on uh, South 3rd Street on the parking lot of what is now the Greenville Police Department. And uh, the, the building was purchased by a new congregation known as the Central Christian Church. They bought that building in 1963. So it had sat empty for 10 years before they bought it, and they moved it to its current location where it's been ever since. Uh, when the Central Christian Church congregation uh, closed their doors a couple of years ago, the building again sat empty for about 10 months when we purchased it, and it has made a great location for us. We've been able to add artifacts that had never been on display. There were stories that we'd always wanted to tell. A great example is the uh, story on the uh, Atlanta Olympic Band from 1996 that the factory made uniforms for. And the best part is, and as you know, we get a lot of bus tours out of the St. Louis area, out of Springfield and across Illinois. And it was getting a, a little dicey, to say the least, squeezing 40 to 50 people in that old building. Um, I, I won't say that we were violating some codes, but you know, we probably <laughs> were. So <laughs> this, uh, this site has worked out a lot better, especially for those bus tours. And it just really lends itself to the, 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 you know, the artifacts inside. It, it's yeah. just a, a great showcase for your collection. Well, another thing I like about the space, like you said, you have that many people come in. You have it set up to where 
you you can give presentations, you can give the history of the company and the museum and the pieces in it while uh, folks are sitting in in the pews and uh, of what was the church. Yeah. And it lends itself to that. And, and what a great, I, I've sat there and listened to the, the, the knowledge that you have about the company. And if folks, if you haven't been there, if you haven't experienced that, John really puts you in the history and you just tell the story so well, natural storyteller. And well, it, it's got to be that radio background, Elaine. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. You, there's another thing you, you've got me beat at. You've been doing that longer than I have as well. But uh, yeah, I think you're just a natural storyteller. And uh, the stories are so interesting. Um, the family itself, just what a tale of twists and turns and, and uh, intrigue. You know, I think historians have to be great storytellers, and I'm very blessed that that I have a museum here where there are so many great stories to tell, and they're fun stories to tell. And, you know, I'm certainly not knocking the band uniforms and the other things that, that they've done or they do now, but the, the most amazing, quirky, fun stories are from the early years of, of the company's history. And I agree with what you said earlier. That setting in the old church part of the building is ideal for how we have it set up. And the nice thing is most of the displays are uh, on wheels now that we can move and reconfigure that room to accommodate various size crowds. I think the most we've had in there is about 70, which is probably our max. So we can do a program for a group as small as six or eight, all the way up to about 70 people. And something that we did last year that I would like to see us do more this year, if we ever get to open again, <laughs> is host uh, breakfast meetings, lunch meetings. You know, we had the breakfast meeting with the chamber. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, we were supposed to have a DAR group out of Columbia, Illinois, uh, this Saturday, and they were going to have a breakfast meeting and a program. Obviously, that's been postponed. So, uh, but that's part of the the advantage of having this building. We've got space outdoors and indoors to host a lot of different sorts of events. This is true. And and during the summer, you have some very nice events outdoors um, with yeah. local bands and some bands that you bring into town. Um, yeah, we've had some fun with that. Uh, we have what we call our house band now, which is the uh, the Ragged Blade Band out of St. Louis. They're a ragtime band that I stumbled upon on the internet a couple of years ago, and they played for us several times. They love making the trip over from St. Louis. They love the museum. They love the vibe there and the crowd that we have. And so, uh, that, again, that's something we'd like to do more of. Yeah, if, it's, if we it's, get to open again. Exactly. What are you going to well, do? Can you get that fixed for me? I'm on it. I'm on it. I learned from John Goldsmith. I get to take care of things. Uh, and I think that's something, that's the one, one of the things I love about Greenville, um, places like the DeMolin Museum that offer, um, offer these programs, offer a space to have your own programs. And then you offer this, this small town, um, warm entertainment in the summertime that you can, you know, you can bring the entire family to and, and it takes you back a little bit, and it just reminds you, though, that there are places in this world where you can feel that comfort of home, that safe, small town, enjoy and embrace the uniqueness of it all. That's what the DeMolin Museum is. It's unique. It, it's, I don't, I, you know what I'm, it's just. It's, it's a, a slice of Americana. And, exactly. and you know, years ago. Years ago, uh, there was an advertising campaign in Greenville. We're talking probably 20, 25 years ago, uh, a Norman Rockwell town. And I think there are certainly some, some truths to that. And, and my travels over the years and, and 
uh, visiting other communities, I've often heard, well, gee, you know, how does Greenville do this and that? And, you know, they would often often cite the car show and going back years ago to when Agape was popular. And yeah. I always hear, well, I don't know how Greenville can do that. We can't do that. And I, I think what it is is we've had over the years a lot of folks who are visionaries that think outside of the box and they never limit what we can do in this community, especially when it comes to uh, events and that sort of a thing. You know, we don't take no for an answer. We look big and we shoot big for big things and it's always worked out well for us. And I, I wish that other communities could embrace that and take the chances and go out on a limb and try stuff. It's always worked pretty well for us. I know. And you know what? And you, John Goldsmith, are the originator of a lot of those events. And so I know people really appreciate that. And again, unfortunately, we won't get to have some of those events this year, but they'll be back. Well, I, I want to say one thing, and I appreciate you what you said, but I've always looked at it that I'm kind of a ringleader of a team. And any project that I've ever done, whether it's this museum or the car show uh, or any of those things, it's because I've been very blessed to have people that have faith in, in me mm -hmm. and uh, and they go along with these crazy ideas that I've had. And that's what it takes. I could never go it alone. And so it's taken that trust and faith from a lot of supporters, a lot of volunteers. And to be honest with you, for me, um, that's kind of the best part of it is to bring together that team and know that people are willing to to go out on that limb with you. That, that is true, and that is wonderful. You, uh, you do have a great team of volunteers at the museum, and I know that um, myself working with the Car Show Committee, everyone that gets involved in these um, events and um, causes, and the, the Fourth Fest Committee, they're very passionate about it. And, yeah. and it's just, you, you might not see that everywhere, but you do see that in Greenville, and that's what's wonderful. You know, Elaine, what I, what I think the key is, is we have volunteers that take ownership. Right. It's more than just somebody showing up to work a shift. And you, mm -hmm. you've got that and you're going to have that. And that's important. But we have volunteers that it becomes theirs. It, and that's why I think things are successful. When you can have volunteers who are that invested in something and they own it, mm -hmm. it becomes something very special. And you've got a dedicated group that will stick with you through thick and thin. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I love uh, seeing, I love the, the turnouts that the community also, I mean, the, they have that passion from these groups, these volunteers, and it spreads to the community when you have um, these dine in at the various restaurants to raise money for the museum or another cause. Yeah. People show up and, it, you know, and they, they're a part of it too when they do that. Think about how much money that West Porsche has raised over the years with those cookouts. I couldn't even I couldn't even guess. I'm not even sure Wes would know, but that's a great example. Those cookouts uh, there on the thrift shop corner that you know go for several months have raised thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars for a, a variety of causes. And in our case with the museum, it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. That usually nets us somewhere between thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars, and that's big for us. And so, you know, I, I think we all appreciate Wes. I'm not sure we appreciate him enough. Yeah, I think you're right. Wes is definitely a, 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 a jewel. I don't know how better to describe him. He is a gift, and and uh, we are lucky to have him in Greenville. He does. He goes all out. And, yeah, if you're ever in Greenville and you see something happening on that thrift store parking lot. You better lot, stop by and check it out. You stop and you eat and you'll love it. That is for sure. But, you, you know, another example uh, of businesses that do that, 
uh, Joe's Pizza and Pasta in Greenville. Uh, Brian and his crew have always helped out with a variety of groups and organizations with fundraisers. Uh, I know the Ellsworths at Huddle House will do the same thing, and we've had fundraisers with them. Those folks don't have to do that, and right. you know it's much appreciated because you know in, in our case with the museum. If we raise two or three hundred dollars, that pays some bills for us and helps us keep the doors open. And so, for a lot of not-for-profits, where you know every dollar is important, those kind of things are critical. Yeah, it's great. It's great that they step up, and uh, you know, and we could put that out there to other businesses. They might not even know that they can do that. That you know, yeah. if, if you'd like to be, um, you know, a helping hand in, in helping these organizations and and the museums raise money, you can host something along those lines as well. And you talked about how um, Greenville does these events and how do they do it and the creativity. Um, we're, we're in a situation right now where, where people all over the world are being basically forced to be creative about how we go about our daily lives. Um, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> talking? I haven't heard like of this. this. Like this, we're not even in the same room for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> but... But I suppose because you don't love me anymore. Oh no 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 no! It's not that. It's not. It's not you. It's me. Um, <laughs> oh, I've heard that from a lot of women over the years. <laughs> but, but I'm not even going to go there. But uh, speaking of doing things in a creative way, um, yeah. I, I have seen that um, you and our tourism director Jess Adam had done some things on Facebook and other museums are doing things online to talk about um, the items that they have in their museum. Can you tell us what you have been working on? Well, it's been fun. Um, We we looked at it that if we're not going to be open and if we've got folks or even, uh, you know, students, kids that are at home with nothing to do, if we could throw some videos out there, tell a few stories uh, and even tell some stories that I don't generally tell at the museum, uh, maybe showcase an artifact or two that we usually don't pay a lot of attention to, then we could have some fun with it. And so uh, Jess and uh, Bill Walker uh, and I and a couple of our museum volunteers, Olivia Balkenbush and Tom Varner, we, we all try to stay six feet apart, of course. Uh, <laughs> we, we got together recently and did a series of videos. And so for those who are on Facebook, I encourage you to go to DeMolin Museum's Facebook page and scroll through and check out those videos. They're a lot of fun. We've got some more coming up. Um, and so those are what work are just sort of some easy, simple videos that we've done. Uh, I'd like to do something a little more advanced, a little slicker, a little more polished in the future and get into more in-depth stories from the museum. Uh, Christina Staff uh, is our official videographer, and so I'm hoping to get together with her soon and do a series of those as well. And again, I would encourage other museums, if it's not something that you've done, all it really takes is a cell phone and somebody to hit a record button, and you can do some short videos on your location and keep people's interest as we're shut down here, hopefully temporarily. Definitely. And I think, John, you could even do some sort of make it into a, you know, a professional documentary with that. It's it's funny you, you mentioned that. Um, I have often thought that this story would make for a great documentary. Uh, I have a buddy of mine who thinks it would make a great movie, especially the early years of this company. And he may be right. Um, our, I say our, it's really my dream. And I think it's one that some of our volunteers share. We would love to see the museum featured one of these days 
on the TV show Mysteries at the Museum. Uh, that would be great exposure. And I think we would have some great stories for that for that show to spotlight. But I do think the day will come where this museum will get featured in some type of a documentary that covers either, you know, marching bands or fraternal organizations. I just think that that day is coming. Uh, we're so unique and so off the wall that we are sort of the spot when it comes to those sort of things. Oh, definitely. I mean, I could see it. I could see it as a, you know, I may, I, you narrating and telling the story. This is, I'm picturing my head, picture this. <laughs> and then, you know, as they span the museum and then I, I just, you, 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 it almost writes itself, you know, yeah. I, I, you can see it happening. Um, and speaking of movies and TV, et cetera, you've had some people stop by. I know one particularly recently stopped by. Um, and, yeah, and, I figured it might come up in the conversation, yeah. and that was a fun day. And uh, and unfortunately, it was about the last day that we were open before the pandemic hit. But uh, it was a surprise visit. David Eigenberg, who uh, is on the TV show Chicago Fire, is one of the stars of that show, uh, walked in one Saturday with his son, just walked in off of the street, pulled his car up in front of the museum, walked in. And it's funny, Elaine, when he walked in, I thought, yeah, I think I know that. Well, I know this guy and as soon as he started talking it was that that voice and if you know the, him and know the character you knew automatically it was him and then when he signed the guest book that pretty much sealed the deal that it was him and it was a great visit a super nice guy his son who was probably about 10 or 11 uh, was the reason they came in his son had found us on the roadside america website and his son wanted to check us out and so he talked dad into stopping and david told me before they left that he was glad they stopped he thought it was really a cool place and complimented us on what we did and so you know i and i i messaged him later and told him honestly the best part was a father and a son came into a museum and had a great time and the, the guy just happened to be famous was the icing on on top of the cake. But uh, yeah, so that was cool. We've had some other in, interesting and unique people that have visited over the years. Uh, but that's the one that's going to probably stick in my mind. They were there for about an hour and it was really pretty special. He took a lot of video and took a lot of pictures and actually posted some video on his Instagram page. And it went through the roof. It was unbelievable the number of comments and views that that had. And unfortunately it happened right before we had to close down. So we lost that momentum and who knows what they could have happened, what they could have led to for us. Yeah. I think uh, that was uh, pretty cool. And it, I mean, it, you, it's just, you're so unique and I love that it was his son that found you and said, Hey, we have got to go here yeah. um, because that's what it is. And, and you bring people to Greenville, you know, every weekend when you're open. So that's uh, amazing. I love that Greenville has a place like Damola Museum and the Farm Heritage Museum and all these things that are different that other communities don't have. And maybe some people don't know that we have, but they will know more and more will know as you know, you've been spreading the word and as things like that happen and you're celebrating 10 years. Well, we, we would be. You're going to. <laughs> we are going to someday before the end of this year. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. And, yeah. you know, I, I hope that we are one of the anchors for tourism in the community. That was a goal to begin with, was to bring okay. people to this community and, and let them see what Greenville was all about. And in doing so, we hope that they're going to stop at an antique store, stop at a restaurant, stop and get some gas. So if we can help the local economy that way, that's great. That's what we want to do. 
um, in, you know, Markoots, uh, south of town is an anchor. And you mentioned the, the farm museum. And of course, their big three-day festival. So there are certainly things that we have that help put Greenville on the map. And we're proud to be one of them. And, and as you said, uh, typically for us on a Saturday, we'll get probably anywhere from 8 to 10, 12, 15 visitors on a typical Saturday. And I can guarantee almost every one of them is not from around here. They're getting off the interstate right. to see this place. Yeah, and that's what's nice. That's what I love. And I, I love that you make Greenville a, a destination for people instead of just a, you know, a pass through too. Because like you said, you do get these bus tours that come in, which is lovely. And um, I think Greenville has the potential to be that destination town um, to come to Greenville and go to um, not just one museum, but multiple museums. Yeah. The, the key is to have that package of things, mm -hmm. uh, especially with these group tours. If right. they're going to load 60 people on a, in a bus, they want to bring them out to see more see more than just one thing. And right. so it's nice that we can have them visit uh, uh, Markoots or uh, they can go to Rolling Lawns and see the Milk House. Uh, they can see us. They can see the Bach Museum. Uh, at some point down the road, the Historical Society will be up and running again in their new home, the U.S. DeMolin House. And so we do have a lot of things uh, that are available where a, a bus tour can make a, a half day to a day visit out of the community. And, uh, and again, that's great exposure and hopefully it benefits our local economy. Oh, I think so. And then we're getting more um, also retail uh, uh, you know, different retail shops that other towns don't have. Like, well, the art gallery is, yeah. you know, also a shop, but it's a beautiful art gallery, Pidey's Art Gallery. We've got the plant shop, which is another unique destination in Greenville. But you all work together, I think, in, it, you know, making a day of it. We and hope so. Yeah, and I hope that we do a good job of cross-promoting one another. Uh, that's one thing I do worry about. We need to work probably harder at cross-promotion. And, uh, you know, it may be a situation where they may not be familiar with the museums or the museums may not be familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And so we probably need to come up with some ways to make sure that we're interacting more and knowing each other when we're open, what hours are and that sort of thing. You'd mentioned earlier the 10th anniversary and I, I kind of glossed over that, but yeah, March 20th, uh, marked 10 years that the museum has been open. And sometime this year we will hit the 10,000 mark in total visitors since we opened. And no, those aren't the kind of numbers that Disneyland gets or the or the Lincoln Museum in Springfield. But keep in mind, we're a museum that's open on weekends. We're open by appointment. And so 10,000 to us is a feather in our cap. I think there are a lot of museums our size that would love to have the kind of numbers that we've been fortunate enough to have over the years. I think you're right. And I think, uh, how well, how many do you need to get to that mark? Do you know? Um, I want to say we're around 300 and some, so we'll hit it this year. You know, whenever okay. we're open again, we're going to reschedule all the 10th anniversary big hoop to do that we had planned. And I've got some ideas and some other things I want to do down there. And so we'll hit that sometime before the end of the year. I'm sure you will because you're behind it. You're going to make it happen. I know. Well, thank you. Hey, <laughs> I wanted to mention that behind me, you see my Cardinal collection. That is not for sale. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people contacting you saying, hey, I saw that that guy on the podcast deal and he had cardinal stuff. Is it for sale? No, it's not. He's not, And he's taking it with him wherever he goes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> John Goldsmith, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome, me. my friend. And folks, take some time. Uh, next time you're in Greenville and, and things are back open, please stop by 
the DeMullen Museum. Give them the address, John. We're at 205 South Prairie in Greenville. Look for an old church building. You'll see the signage on there. And I just want to tell your viewers that uh, I had the great opportunity to act on stage with this lady about 12 years ago now, was it? Yeah, we weren't even 40 yet, John. No, we were just, I think we were teenagers then. I think so. And I still say that that, of all the productions I've ever been in, was one of the most enjoyable. We were in, in 12 angry people, men. Yes, jurors or something like that. 12 angry jurors. <laughs> it was one of the best productions I've ever been in. And it was really, for me, invigorating to be surrounded by so many talented actors and actresses, you included, my friend. You too. We had a great time. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was. Thank you, John, for being my longest uh, knowing Greenville resident <laughs> and former acting friend. And thank you for all you do for Greenville. We really do appreciate you. You are thank a you. treasure. You should be in a museum, my friend. Oh, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> oh, get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, folks, for joining us. The Greenville Smart Podcast is brought to you today by Greenville University, the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, and the DeMullen Museum in Greenville. Have a great day, everyone.